Welcome to CityCast, the Smart Cities podcast from CityVerve. In each instalment, we tackle the issues faced by smart cities in the UK and further afield, as well as providing an update on all things CityVerve. Hello, my name is Vicky de Blasi, and this is the first episode of the two-part finale of our Smart Cities podcast series. To ensure we go out with a bang, I've corralled some of the project's brightest minds and personalities to reflect on what's been achieved with CityVerve and where our discoveries will take us next. I'm joined in the studio today by MSP's Rowena Burns, Cisco's Nick Chrysos and Mark Duncan from Manchester City Council. They've all played instrumental roles at the helm of the CityVerve project after the past couple of years and regular listeners will of course recognise Rowena as a former host of the series. Rowena, Nick, Mark, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We've got plenty to get our teeth stuck into in the course of the next hour or so, but it might be worth letting you all introduce yourselves briefly before we get started and to have you explain what role you've each played within the CityVerve project. So, Rowena, I will come to you first. Hi, Vicky. I'll keep this quite brief. I am Rowena Burns. I am chairman of Manchester Science Partnerships. Manchester Science Partnerships is one of the founder members of the City Verve Partnership um, as a whole. I also have the privilege and the challenge of having chaired the steering group for the project um, on behalf of all partners, actually. So that has been immense fun. Brilliant. Thank you. And Nick, over to you. Um, I'm Nick Christos. I'm the Director of Innovation for uh, for Cisco in Europe, Middle East and Africa. And uh, my role in the project was the, uh, I am the, I'm the Project Delivery Director, um, which, uh, which means I, I run the project management team and uh, responsible for uh, the delivery of um, everything hands-on in the project. Brilliant, thank you. And Mark, over to you. Um, I'm, I've been the lead for MCC on CityVerve since, ooh, first year um, of CityVerve to now and I've also filled in for Rowena as Deputy Chair on the Steering Committee which has been um, challenging at times, good fun (laughs) at others and overseeing day to day, trying to keep the consortium working well together, working closely with Cisco on delivery and um, unblocking problems and challenges as, as they've arisen. Brilliant. Thank you. So I think it's probably best if we get the most difficult questions out of the way first. So I'm going to start with a big one, um, which is really, I guess I'm interested in what you would say some of the biggest challenges are that have been faced and perhaps surmounted over the course of the last two years of CityVerve. So Rowena, over to you first. You want me to kick off? Okay. Um, Two things come immediately to my mind, really. One is sheer scale. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing to say that because, you know, this is a city that's been involved in partnerships, big and small, for over two decades, a lot of experience in the city. Um, this partnership uh, has got 21 members and those members are businesses, both large and small. They span huge corporates like Cisco through to micro businesses with one person running them and everything in between. And that has raised governance issues. It's raised cultural issues, actually, very Mm. different cultures in these businesses and around the table. And governance issues, it's easy to resource a project um, at pace and scale. If you're a big company with lots of resources available to you, much tougher um, if you're a one-person band. And so working through all of that at the front end of the project, and indeed throughout the project, has been quite challenging. Uh, We'll probably come on to it later, but it's also where some of the biggest rewards have been, Mm. I think. Aligned to that, I'd also single out the fact that we didn't have a dedicated time to get the project set up 
before the clock started ticking on the two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And Nick might want to kind of pick up the theme from there because that was a huge challenge for us. It was uh, the the uh, specifically going on the maybe pre-start phase. We we mentioned this before about the the challenge of uh, signing the contract of the collaboration agreement between twenty twenty one partners um, having you know thirty lawyers on calls trying to 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 sort out uh, intellectual property liability governance uh, to accept how we make decisions. That was that was uh, one of the of, of the of the biggest challenges just to start the project and then for my side when I, when I look into some of the some of the major challenges that we face in the project communication was very uh, very difficult it wasn't only the number of the of the partners but the diversity of the of the partners that really made it very difficult uh, as you mentioned startups with uh, with just a few people to be able to attend weekly meetings uh, being able to keep everybody in sync uh, our biggest problem was that we divided the whole project at the beginning into uh, into parallel tracks in order to accelerate the delivery and then we ended up not being able to communicate to each other what that everybody was doing and that 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 that, that was a, a major challenge to overcome uh, the other element was was spending the money that was unbelievably and that was one of the biggest surprises we, we've seen this in projects before but in Cityverve was so obvious the ability to get on top of really having a regular spending and being able to go through the budget and trying to 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 acquire the resources and the materials and all that it took us at least three quarters at the beginning just to get to the to the right to the right level of spending. I know it sounds strange to say that that uh, spending the money was uh, was was difficult, but that was actually one of our biggest headaches uh, through the whole process. And I guess that kind of relates back to what Rowena was saying about that sort of runway at the start of the project that the. the clock started ticking before we'd started figuring that stuff out. So I suppose in some ways those two points are, are, are kind of two sides of the same coin, really. And Mark, um, from a council perspective, I'm sure you've seen your fair share of challenges along the way. Yeah, I think just picking up on that point from Nick of the spending challenges, I think it's something that as a steering committee, we were really keen to make sure that regardless of not having a running period, we did not just press the button and say go on things that we weren't entirely confident about. And if use cases need to be refined or adjusted or business cases tweaked, we were not afraid as a steering committee to say stop, Mm. let's rethink, come back, represent it in a different way. So whilst it was a challenge, it was a challenge to some extent of our own making Mm. and I'm glad we did it because it gave us then the confidence that what we were doing was the right thing and that we've got things refined to fit Manchester. Um, Outside of that, I think in my role for the City Council, a lot of it has been about coordinating and as mentioned at the beginning, um, unblocking challenges. And one of those big challenges has been penetration into the city organisations, the hospital, the universities, TFGM and the City Council, spreading the word about City Verve, spreading it more broadly 
than the relatively small groups of people who were at the heart of it and understood it and getting those messages out. That's challenging, but it's also been the most rewarding um, where you're encouraging people to come to meetings and briefings and workshops and at the end of it they say wow where can we find out more how do I get this into my part of the business what can we do to help that's been really really rewarding. So I'm wondering with all those challenges that we just talked about there how many of them we perhaps kind of predicted or foresaw before the project started and which if any of them came as as a bit of a surprise I suppose to us? I suppose a couple of things come to my mind. Most of them we could and did predict. Uh, Whether we predicted the scale of the challenge that that would represent, I think is probably um, closer to reality. Mm. Uh, If we had had our time again, um, what I would very much want to do is to spend a good solid couple of workshops with the partners getting clear on everybody's expectations and aspirations from the from the project. Because one of the things that we assumed was that, A, everybody was clear about what the project was for, what it would yeah. mean for them. Uh, and in fact, people weren't. You know, some, some folk assumed it would give them a marketplace that their services would be sold into, particularly the public service provider in, in Manchester City Council. Others saw it as effectively a marketing exercise, but but actually all of them were also focused upon developing their innovations, actually. And Mark's point earlier about the the parent organisations not always being receptive to what the project was doing or even understanding what the project was doing um, was a problem we didn't foresee. And, And that meant that we didn't have the pool, the technology pool coming from, or the innovation pool rather, coming from parent organisations that yeah. would have been very helpful in helping us to shape at the at the early part of the project. Yeah. And Nick, Mark, does that sort of reflect your thoughts on that as well? Anything else that came as a surprise to you? I would agree. I think the, the point of different expectations is, is a really important one. Um, I remember the first few steering committees and partner meetings where I felt um, very much under pressure from a lot of the partners Mm. of, um, quite bluntly, when are you going to buy our stuff? (laughs) And that point of us being a demonstrator and a national demonstrator, there was um, different levels of understanding of what that meant and what the role of the city and the city partners would be would be in the commercialisation of products. And that was very, very challenging for me personally at the start of the project. Um, I think also getting into the organisations and that point I was making before and, and Rowena's point of getting people to engage, having partners within CityVerve and close to CityVerve who really know their organisations has been really important. Getting to the right people within the organisations is really important. And not with everything in CityVerve, but with a lot of stuff in CityVerve, I found when you get to the right people, there isn't a lot of pushing and convincing to do. The case makes itself. It's making sure you're talking to to the the right right person. person. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Nick, anything to kind of add from you, from your side? Any sort of surprises on the delivery side of the project, I suppose? The relationship, I have to say that uh, for us, I think for me that was a, a, a very 
a, 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 very, a very big difference to what we have done before. Mm, Sitting on yeah. the same table with Manchester City Council, with the hospitals, not anymore as vendors. Yeah. Uh, they were not the customer. They were the partner. That was a relationship that we never really had before. Mm. Trying to establish a trust as a partner, not as a and uh, not not as a, as a as a supplier to 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 a sale to a deal. That was a challenge that I think we had we had to overcome. And if I if I if I go into surprises, I have to say how the whole relationship has moved. Uh, you know, in the last two years, yeah. that was one of the of the of the let's say the most welcome kind of surprises. The building of the trust, uh, being able to do that with the Manchester City Council in a very in a very difficult relationship. Manchester City Council was the lead, uh, and and then Cisco was coming to to do the the project management and the establishing the boundaries or how are we going to work together into two very different organizations. Uh, I, I remember the first time that I saw the, the terms of reference into, into, into a meeting. You know, coming from Cisco, we never used terms of reference yeah. to come to a meeting. <laughs> the, you know, that, that everything was printed. Uh, I, I found that also so I still find that surprising every time we Culturally, have a meeting. Culturally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, so different. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but being able at the end to run now, steering committees and run partner meetings in which we, we all feel comfortable with each other. Definitely. Uh, it's... It's, it's, I think it's one of the wins of the project. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've talked a lot already about you know, the, the strengths and some of the challenges within that consortium and, and kind of corralling together that many different organisations in, in a common um, a, approach. So as a group, I'm wondering if we have any pearls of wisdom as to how to go about executing um, a huge consortium-led project such as this one. I think we've talked about quite a lot of this already, actually, but there are two mm. things for me which are really big learnings for the future. The first is in something this complex, you need a lot of clarity at the front end about objectives and goals and how you're going to govern it. And given the pace at which we had to work, you need a lot of rigour and discipline about keeping things on track. But you need to marry that with real agility to stop doing things when actually you learn that they're not going to work. So in order to have that agility, you need to maintain the ability in your governance to sit above the individual project delivery and keep looking at the whole rather than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. And so that you have that sense of overall direction, overall focus and and can adjust things in a good and timely way. I think that's um, fantastic advice. Thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to come to each of you individually now. Mark, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Interested in things that you've learned from the project that you've been able to take back and apply and develop within the council. Starting the project two years ago, two and a bit years ago, with no real experience of smart cities, <laughs> IoT, digital, yeah. um, just being a... Uh, a long-serving local government program and project manager, I was on a really steep learning curve. And what I've learned in terms of benefit for my organisation of my learning experience over yeah. the last two years is huge. Mm, yeah. I understand so much about the business world as it exists around smart digital and IoT yeah. that no amount of training could ever have given yeah, me. It was on-the-job training of the <laughs> deepest, most immersive <laughs> kind for the last two years. And in the slightly um, unnerving position of almost being an expert on this stuff in the council <laughs> now, and it's born of 
practical experience rather than technical understanding and it's developing the relationships with partners in the consortium of who I can talk to, who I can ask questions of, who are experts, who I can trust as advisors and I think one of the things um, and one of the partners that I've gained the most value from in that is Ordnance Survey mm-hmm. and understanding the breadth of services that Ordnance Survey can offer yeah. to the public sector in particular. And the trusted advisor role that they have has been absolutely priceless for me and yeah. my team in helping us navigate some of this. I think Ordnance Survey has been an eye-opener to everybody. I mean, I think... Yeah, certainly when I came into the project, I knew them as the maps that my dad used to make us walk around with at the weekends when we were kids. And it's just, it has been, as you say, a total eye-opener in what what they can do and what they have to offer, certainly. Um, Nick, then, I suppose coming to you on a sort of the flip side, then coming private sector, what what is it that you've taken and how has that kind of influenced other projects and other kind of elements of your innovation role within Cisco? The thing that we we almost traded more at the beginning, the the kind of the discipline requirement, mm. the quarterly reviews. Uh, many people outside the project do not realize. Even even in Cisco, I can tell you the they they never realize uh, you know internal people what are the requirements of or requirements of running a project like this. Uh, the quarterly reviews, mm. the auditing of uh, every single bit of expense. Uh, we're talking about a, a run rate of two two and a half million every quarter, and every partner has to put a, a progress uh, report forward. Uh, every partner has to be evaluated on their deliverables. Um, um, then we run this horrible one-day uh, <laughs> kind of PMO reviews, which is which is a room full of fifty people really going through every single detail that happened in the project. Saying that this is uh, this is horrible and this is this is a, a, a really big challenge in the project. Taking all that on the on the flip side, the discipline of going through that. It's something that we found huge value on. And in Cisco, we've been doing what we call proof of concepts. We've been doing a lot of stuff with our customers. When I talk to our customers now and talk to them about quarterly reviews and their ability to have executive engagement at the right point, at the right time in the project, having a comms plan and creating a a story about what we're doing together from the beginning instead of waiting at the end, all these now have almost become best practice of what we're doing in Cisco not only in in public sector engagement, but uh, as uh, customer projects that we do together. Yeah, definitely. And Rowena, I suppose I'm interested in your answer, both in your role at MSP, but also as a a member of the Corridor Board as well, in terms of where you think those learnings can be kind of applied, I suppose, in a broader context beyond just MSP. Yes. Can I take MSP first, though, actually, Vicky? Because I think there are a couple of things of huge value Mm. to us. I mean, MSP as a business uh, takes its, its... and its whole meaning really from our ability to understand the 150 or so businesses that have their working home with us and understanding what those businesses need and want at different stages of growth Mm -hmm. enables us to provide support services, to lobby on their behalf for new infrastructure, for additional funding and so on. That's what we do. That's what our value add and our brand is. We've learned a lot more from working with those businesses in detail on this specific project than we knew before. 
And so we'll be able to take that forward in the work that we are still doing with Cisco in the My Idea Centre in the Bright Building. You know, it's just a fantastic location to take some of that stuff forward. So brilliant, brilliant things. And also deepening some of the relationships we already had with Cisco and with, with other partners in the project. It's just fantastic for us. Within the corridor... And the project really came at a time when we as corridor partners were thinking about corridor as place. How, you know, we know that we've got brilliant institutions on the corridor full of brilliant people doing brilliant things. That doesn't really come across in the Oxford Road corridor as place. It isn't visible. Some of the projects that we've done through City Verve the walking tour, um, the plinth and so on, they will those are mechanisms that will help bring to life. Definitely. The science and the discovery that goes on in this richly, richly diverse part of the city. And that's brilliant. I'm really just looking forward to building on that a lot. So then I suppose my next question um, and moving on to kind of hopefully some slightly easier questions now. I'm interested in understanding what aspects of the project that you're all most proud of thinking, not just about the how, which we've talked a lot about, but the what as well. Uh, Nick, I'll come to you first. <laughs> Three years ago now, we put together um, a brilliant proposal. Uh, it was uh, ambitious. It was uh, uh, very, very innovative. Mm-hmm. I think we, we talked about connecting the unconnected, creating the platform of platforms. Having now something that it is the platform of platforms, having something today that physically we created yeah. and there is nothing like that around the world. And, and, I, and I can talk with, uh, you know, very, very, very confident with that in, in Cisco. Uh, nobody in the world has a, a platform like the one that we designed. And, uh, and being able now to, to finish the project with a physical element that we have created, with things that we brought together, that for me is, uh, is, is an amazing achievement. And uh, that it all started by uh, a proposal, mm. by an idea um, three years ago, and uh, that's been implemented now. It's something that I think we can very, very safely say we're, we're proud of. Another thing that I would love to add, yeah. um, ending up the project or with the partners together, we lost three partners during the project. We lost two before we started. We lost one during the project. I have to say all the partners left to their own uh, decision and it had to do mainly with them not having either the resources or the, yeah. the right uh, time to really uh, devote themselves to the project. Uh, that we are here, all the partners together after all this, I think. It's a, it's another element that I, I have to, I have to feel very proud of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I think that's a, that's a good one. Uh, Mark, your your thoughts on this? From a city perspective, working for the city council, I have to say, the governance and the role of the steering committee, which is something that the city council is very keen to build on and mm. retain after the end of the project. We have a, in the steering committee, we have a unique collection of public and private bodies that have come together, um, tackled some real challenges as part of City Verve, and the City Council is very keen for those partners to remain around the table and help us take this through to the next stage for the city. Within that, really, really proud of the rigour that we applied as a consortium and as a partnership to the use cases to get the best that we could out of those use cases set against the backdrop of the challenges that Rowena and Nick talked about of not having a lead in. Mm. I'm really really proud of what we all did and it was difficult at times but it was absolutely the right thing to do and I'm very proud that we did that and the last point would be 
what we got out of taking that approach through having the strong governance, through making tough decisions. What we've got is a set of really world-class use cases that are proud to stand up yeah, and say, definitely. look what we did. We've got the Marketplace event coming up in June and I think people will come, as they have done to previous events, and say, wow, yeah, definitely. Great. Amazing. Definitely. So, yeah, very proud. Brilliant. So, Mark, Nick talked about the platform of platforms as, as being the, the sort of the physical thing he's most proud of. I'm wondering if there's any sort of use cases or themes that stick out for you as being, dare I say it, favourites. I wouldn't want to single out favourites as such, but in terms of looking forward to what we're going to be showcasing in June at the marketplace, some highlights for me, um, bike sharing and yeah. the C-Sense bike light has been a personal, one of personal interests for me. Um, I use one of the bike lights on one of the trialists, so I'm, I'm, I'm really keen to see that one grow and mm. flourish. Within energy and environment, impossible, I think, to pick out a single one from the energy and environment theme. Yeah. But the way in which commercial partners within that, Bruntwood, Siemens, Spiker and others are commercialising that is really, really impressive stuff. And within health and social care, from a public sector, from a city perspective, the augmented neighbourhood teams and the potential they have to completely transform social care services is hugely impressive. And one of the slightly left field ones that I don't think any of us knew what to expect is around the community wellness use cases and in particular PlaceCal and the way in which PlaceCal is addressing digital exclusion and social exclusion in a really, really, really exciting way. Definitely. And I think yeah, we've always had a loneliness minister appointed since this come along. And it's, yeah, I think it's become um, one of the sort of surprises, as you say, of, of the project in terms of the real potential there, definitely. So lots of favourites. <laughs> um, so Rowena, uh, turning to you now, what would you say are the sort of crowning achievements of the project? Oh, I've got lots of favourites too. <laughs> um, but again, in the interest of whetting people's appetite for the marketplace yes. event later this month, I think I would talk about what I saw as probably the most challenging aspect of the project of all, which was how we ensured that it was needs-led rather than innovation and product-led. And in particular, how it was citizen-led rather than institutionally-led. And that produced really a very innovative approach to road testing ideas and getting ordinary person on street input to the direction of thinking and the direction of design. And Future Everything, who were critical in that stage Mm. of the project, you know, did a lot of citizen-led work um, with theme leads and use case leads. It was very difficult Mm. because people weren't used to doing it. But actually, I think everybody learned a lot from that. Yeah. And, and actually, these are lessons that all of us need to apply in our lives going forward as we seek to redefine how services are provided in our cities. You've got to start from what people want yeah. rather than what you think they need. <laughs> and, and so for me, bottling that and continuing to develop that thinking is a real opportunity for the, for the future. Can I mention one other? Of one course other? you can. One yes, other? please do. Which is that I've got a big thing about using art, how you use art to explain science and to explain technology. 
and the art installations that have been commissioned for this project are just fantastic, fantastic. example yeah. of that. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely second that. Uh, uh, Mark's going to come in with another favourite. I think he's adding just, to his favourites yeah, list. Just we, we have our cross cutters. We've got our, our core themes, but we do have our cross cutters. There's the data and the platform. There's the culture and public realm, yeah. but also the data. Um, processing and visualisation work that's taken place. Yeah. Clicks and links, um, ordnance survey and others doing some for Sparta Digital, doing some fantastic work on visualisation, which is producing products that we didn't envisage at all at the start and they're using the data that we've collected for completely new uses. Yeah, and I think it's it's a really good example of how the project in itself has been quite organic. That as you said through that process of kind of reviewing things and assessing why we're doing things that new opportunities have, have arisen. I suppose this is a great example of Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But we have to mention also the open innovation, which is the the kind of the yes. element at the end that yeah. that really proves another element that we we put together. We we said from the beginning a, a, a smart city in the future is not a city that has a lot of clever ideas. It's a city that can accommodate any idea. The open innovation program that we ran uh, in the in the last few months in mm. the project proves that that uh, we created something that can accommodate any any new idea and we we have a proof and on the on the on the end of the 20th of june we are gonna we're gonna showcase also some of the exciting new ideas that Definitely. they were not there from the beginning but they were just there and being enabled from what we created in the last two years um so very excited also about the the open innovation element in the project yeah Absolutely. So I think we've, it feels like we've pretty much listed everything in the project there within our, within our favourite list. So everyone's had a, had, a, had a good share. Thank you. As ever, it feels like we've only just about scratched the surface here, but I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, for now at least. Keep an eye out for part two of this discussion, in which Rowena, Nick, Mark and myself will be discussing what happens next for City Verve and smart cities the world over. It's sure to be an entertaining and insightful listen as we send off CityCast with a bang. You can download and subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and Acast and listen again on the CityVerve Mixcloud and Soundcloud pages. A quick Google search will get you there. And if you've not listened to all of the other episodes in the series to date, then what are you waiting for? There's no time like the present to start exploring the future.